Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all the decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASCA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Joanne? Yes. I think they've got a, she's just got us on hold, right? Uh-oh. You know what? My my audio just came on. I've been talking away here for five minutes. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know anybody could hear me. Okay. Hi, everybody. We couldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I couldn't tell until this just flashed at me and said audio reconnected. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sitting here talking like a fool. Anyway, <laughs> we'll jump right into this. Um, never mind what else I said. If you wanted to hear it, you should have listened. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we tried. Our, yeah, we tried. 
Um, <laughs> our guest tonight is Joyce Lacey and also Joanne Bogalis, who resides in Greece with her mother, having fled the state of Minnesota to escape a predatory guardian, a fiduciary company up there, who had evil plans for her. And Joyce also went through her own ordeal with regarding her mother and established the June Lynn Lacey Foundation in remembrance of her mother in an effort to try and effect change of what occurred while she fought trying to save her mother from this, this whatever this is. This is nothing but predation on any level. In that effort, Joyce has declared her intent to at least run for governor. She isn't holding up any big, yeah, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. She knows chances are slim, but she's doing it anyway to make a point. And yet she is being blocked at every avenue by the Republican Party from being entered as, as a candidate, from uh, from working in any forums or other venues. Um, she is being blocked every which way. And I personally, Joyce, think it is because you have made so many attempts to try and get bills at least heard um, that would change this system of predation and stop this money train that's running at the expense of human lives. Um, Minnesota is particularly, what do I want to say, beset with um, fiduciary madness. They've got the firm grip on the legislature. Every time you have tried to effect a change, if you check the money trail, you can see that funds traveled into that politician's campaign coffers as donations and or they'll tell you outright that they they can't they can't do anything they don't want to do anything and um so uh, both ladies are on with us so Joyce why don't you start out and tell us what we your candidacy okay uh well basically I did start the June Lenny Lacey Foundation and we've been serving vulnerable adults and children the elderly disabled and our veterans We've been doing uh, food and clothing and diapers and doing scholarships in the spring and uh, disabled children's playground equipment for the for those that are need accessible playground equipment. And so those are the things that we've been doing to try to help those that are in need so they don't get put in this guardianship. Um, horrible, abusive, for-profit, fraudulent guardianships. And we did try on several occasions to get bills passed. And, well, first back in 2000, or yeah, 2019, we did a bill, and there was a gentleman. He was a representative. I used to work with him at a radio station in Fergus Falls, and he became the representative for that area. And he took the one bill, and we tried to get that passed. We had a hearing in the House. We thought we were going to maybe get a hearing in the Senate because in order to get a bill passed, it has to go through both the House and the Senate. Well, COVID hit in 2020, and so they had that for excuse that they couldn't hear our bill because of the COVID. So then we had to get two new file numbers. Uh, we did 1462 in the Senate and 2093 in the House. And we finally did, a couple weeks ago, get a hearing in the Senate, and Joanne was on that hearing. And so we testified, and we thought we were finally going to get something going. And then I called the house, the person in the house, and he said, absolutely not. We're not going to hear your your file number. 
And he said nobody had called in here. I knew that at least 20, 30 people had called in. And so they kind of blocked us. So we're stuck again, and we're going to have to make two new file numbers again to try to get this passed. And basically what the bill says is there's supposed to be a bill of rights, and it's supposed to be for wards of the state, which is of those that are put into these fraudulent guardianships. But unfortunately, nine out of ten of the people that I've spoken with that are of wards of the state or under guardianship and conservatorship, they have told me that they didn't even know this Bill of Rights existed, nor did I when my, my mother was in this. Mm-hmm. And and even if it, they did know that it existed, their guardian violated every single one of those rights, except for one, right. and that was the voting right. And then uh-huh. they told me, oh, yeah, just one person came into the nursing home and, and took their information. Well, then I found out even that was illegal because you were supposed to have a Democrat and a Republican represented with the person right. that's, you know, doing that. Yeah, so they were even violating that. So anyway, yeah. um, it's just it was just full of violations. So I tried to point out at the Senate meeting that there's a Bill of Rights, correct, but it's not doing any good because we need something to enforce it. It's like a person that's driving down the road and you see a 60-mile-an-hour speed limit. If you know it's not enforced, are you going to go 60? Well, most people would, but not everybody would, and they would violate it. And these abusive, fraudulent guardians are doing just that. Mm-hmm. They they violate the rights that they're supposed to have. And unfortunately, that's that's really that's the case, and we're trying and trying. And so I finally got so fed up with trying to do this in the legislature since 2019 that I decided to run for governor. And uh, mm-hmm. as you know, we um, we have things coming up. For instance, on Friday of this week, there's a convention. And two months ago, I knew that they were doing a gubernatorial forum, and seven of the eight people um, are on that gubernatorial forum. Unfortunately, I'm not permitted to be on it. The person that's running it said, send out what your views are, and one of the views I had was to stop fraudulent abuse of for-profit guardianships and try to get guardianships, period, out of probate court, because in probate court, these people are made into slaves. It's modern-day slavery. So anyway, he said... uh, Basically, I'm sorry, but you can't be a part of it. And then I found out just this morning they had a, a meeting because I threatened to take this to, you know, um, the next level, and and they were in violation. And so basically they said came back this morning and they said, well, they didn't feel that I'd raised enough money to be to qualify to be on that panel for the gubernatorial form. So it was just like one excuse after another, and and it shouldn't be on how much money you've raised, but Every single candidate has to do a, a finance report. So, and that was yeah. that was due, and so they had access to that. So that's that's what they're using now for excuse that they yeah. didn't feel I had raised enough money. So, but it shouldn't be based on that. Every state have all these little hoops that you have to jump exactly. If you want to basically put it amount touch the goose that lays a golden egg. Guardianship. It sounds Which like it's beeping. Be, Do you hear that? Uh, see, this goes on. We're being somebody's somebody's in the show. Somebody's hacking us. I don't oh hear the goodness. beeping. Okay. But other people oh, we will do. hear oh, beeping. I, I can hear it here. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Usually they'll hear horns blowing, um, all kinds of stuff. 
That's the word anyway. hearing the horn. Sounds like a horn blowing. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, that's a jamming signal. And um, Oh, they're trying to jam it so that we can't get this yeah. out. They don't want people to yeah. know. See, that's the whole right. thing, too, I think, with me not being allowed to speak is because they don't want that out. And um, I I do believe that, you know, the Minnesota Association for Guardians and Conservators and all these other groups um, are, well, they have lobbyists, and they have big, big money, as you know. And yes. uh, they're paying to basically have this, you know, quieted. They do not want it out there because that would take away their livelihood. I mean, if yes. they couldn't drug these people, and they're not incompetent. About 9 no. out of 10 are not incompetent, or even more no. than that. And that's what they get on them. They say they're incompetent. And what they do is they mm-hmm. they take and isolate them and then medicate them with sedatives. And it's um, yeah. because they can't physically restrain them. They medically or, you know, with drugs yes, they restrain them. Chemical restraint. Chemically restrain yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And there's uh, really no incentive to treat the word well. No, there isn't. Exactly. None whatsoever. Um, and, you know, the thing is, a lot of people who present with what they call early onset dementia, meaning symptoms showed up, you know, very quickly as as time is concerned. Most right. of the time what they have is a B12 deficiency, very easily checked and very easily remedied, but they won't check it. They put them on oh, Ativan or something else immediately. Yeah, exactly. But is that many times in dementia, uh, what people are actually suffering from is a vitamin deficiency, uh, B12 being the most prevalent, D3 and C, of course. But that one seems to to do a lot. In fact, a B complex uh, overall, but heavy on the B12. Um, it'll cause, like I say, confusion, muddled thinking, uh, you know, Things that you forgetfulness, just you know, but all it is is this vitamin deficiency. But they and they right. know this, but they won't even check their blood levels to see what it is. And if you don't check, you don't have any numbers. Well, then you could say, well, we don't need that. But um, mm-hmm. it'll it it does manifest itself that way. And also, of course, UTIs will exactly. That's what I was say too. Yeah, and uh, because the infection is just coursing through the body. And especially exactly. when you're elderly, this can be quite devastating. Exactly. I, uh, you, yeah. Uh, what what guardianship is today is what in previous times they called um, baritry and peonage. And you can still charge that. But it is also considered a form of inland piracy. And um, what they do many times is, is after the fact, after they've done everything, is they'll declare the person dead, whether they are or not, and seize all their assets anyway. But this this whole thing, like I say, it goes back to Sumerian times, is predicated upon seizing another individual and depriving them of all of their possessions, taking what they have that you want, be it land, old times cattle, you know, chickens, whatever. Exactly. But, but taking everything, and then they would just simply kill them. Um, exactly, and that's what that, they're doing now. Yes, and so it's yeah. never it's never had a noble, noble purpose. Um, I think if there wasn't a plan in place that was noble in purpose, it would be how to keep the family inclusive and friends inclusive, 
and keep that person as stable as possible um, with people around them that care about them. But they don't. And um, they isolate, and as you know, isolate, medicate, medicate, terminate. Yep. Yeah, and so, then usually cremate so they can cover up all the drugs they've given them. Well, and I think before a lot of these people are cremated. Uh, Marcia Southwick and I from Nazca did a couple, three shows on this. The selling of body parts. Isn't that I had horrible? no idea. I've heard that too. No idea this was such a booming business. But in some cases in guardianship, the family isn't notified for weeks and sometimes months that the person has died. Right. From whatever causes. And they say there will be no funeral because we already had them cremated. Yeah, we're destroying evidence. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're doing. Yes. What they will do is hack that body up, and I don't know any better way to put it, and sell parts of it to universities and research labs and all of this. And a a cadaver can be worth in death anywhere from $7,500 to $12,000, depending on which part you buy or if you buy the whole thing. And then they claim, of course, they did this cremation. There's no evidence that that ever occurred. And I don't know anyone who has ever checked to see if there was ever billing for any such cremation. But in essence, I think what they're cremating is whatever's left they couldn't sell. But, right. Um, you know, and they, where, where, where state was that they were just – oh, Colorado – uh, here just recently, they had a bill out that said within 24 hours, the family has to be notified. The Bar Association is fighting this like hell, trying to keep this from passing. And this one representative, I guess, finally stood up. He said, this is inhumane. And uh, But what it is, they need time to transfer as many of those assets as possible, if not all of them, and clean everything up. And then let the family know once they're, you know, destroy evidence, whatever you have to do. And you don't want to get caught with your proverbial pants down. And, uh, but yeah, they wanted to be able to wait six weeks. I said, gee, if that isn't it. And you know what the uh, member of the Bar Association said uh, in opposing this bill? And it's very simply written. She said, it was was not well written and they shouldn't pass it because it wasn't well written. Meaning there weren't the usual... Um, avenues in there that protected the predators. And, right, isn't um, that horrible? Yeah. He, even in the Bill of Rights, there's all these avenues that we were talking about that protect the predators. Yes. It's unbelievable what yeah. they get by with. Yeah. Do you want me to tell uh, what happened in my case so that people are aware of if they end up in the hospital in this case? Um, well, yeah, you, you briefly just put that out there, and then I want to get Joanne in here. And um, Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, in my case, um, my mother had just gotten back from this national pageant. She was she was crowned Miss Congeniality because she was always such an outgoing, wonderful, decent, caring person. Anyway, so we had gotten back from Las Vegas, and every year we'd been helping with the Alzheimer's Walk. So we got back, and she was helping with Alzheimer's Walk. Now, she did have congestive heart failure, but a lot of people have that, and they live with it. So her breathing got bad, and I was a fool. I took her to the ER just to be sure that everything was okay. And I happened to take her to this hospital that I later found out was going bankrupt. So anyway, the minute that we walked in, obviously, they saw a dollar sign. So they wanted to keep her for observation. I said, fine, okay. So they kept her for observation, 
And uh, the next day, I got pounced on by the hospitalist doctor, never seen him before in my life, nor had he seen my mother, a social worker, a hospice nurse, and the chaplain of all people. They came in and they tried to convince me to put my mother DNR, do not resuscitate, dump her in a nursing uh-huh. home, and put her on hospice. And I said, no, 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 it's all the above. So then this doctor comes up to me and he shakes his finger at me and he says, you're a very, very poor power of attorney. I've wasted 27 minutes on you. And, oh, by the way, are you the legal guardian? And I said, no, of course not. She doesn't need a legal guardian. She's not incompetent. So he left. And then two days later when she was going to get discharged, here he comes with this piece of paper. They went over my head. They'd already started taking money out of my mom's accounts, you know, closing her accounts, putting it in their names. Yeah. Um, she had gotten it. They'd gotten an emergency guardianship conservatorship, and they'd taken control of her. And so I said to my mom, I they're going to put you in a nursing home. She said, no, 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 I don't want to go in a nursing home. So here comes this nurse in, and she's going to give her a shot. And I said, what are you giving her? And she said, it's morphine. And I said, you can't give her morphine? She said, you no no longer have any say. And the guardian said to use any and all means necessary to make her comply. And from then on, she was drugged constantly. Yeah. And they took her 215 miles away. I tried calling that guardian. I found a nursing home. If they had to go to a nursing home, there was one within a couple of miles of the hospital. But no, they had to take her to this nursing home 215 miles away so the ambulance could get paid for a 215-mile ambulance ride for the hospital that was going bankrupt. And so, yeah, so she ended up way up at this nursing home, negligent nursing home. She wasn't allowed a phone immediately I went to find an attorney because I thought this can't be happening. And I should have gone with her because I couldn't ride in the ambulance, but I could have followed. I never dreamed they had a court reporter waiting for her up there when she got up to this nursing home to interrogate her after she had been drugged goodness knows how many times because she was a lot like Sophia on the Golden Girls. If you ever saw that, um, Sophia was a feisty little Italian woman. Well, my mom was a feisty little Norwegian woman, and she did, you know, she did not want to go to that nursing home. So I don't know how many times they drugged her on the way up and then interrogate her when she gets there. Um, she wasn't allowed a phone, wasn't allowed to go outside the door. I'd be arrested if I took her outside the door. She was given day-old curated food. She wasn't even allowed to sit on a toilet for the whole time she was there. She was forced to use a bedpan. Um, drug constantly. So it was just a nightmare. And I tried and tried, you know, to get her out of there, but I I couldn't. And within three weeks, she had pneumonia, staph infection, septic blood, UTI, bed sores, none of that she'd had in her life. And so she had all that. So I kept putting cold cloths. I drove back and forth every day, eight hours round trip. And then uh, I said to the nurse, I said, now make sure that you give her the Tylenol at midnight because I wasn't allowed to stay overnight. I had to go back and forth. And I got back home and I called up there and I said, how's she doing? Because I'd been putting cold cloths under her armpits and her forehead all day to try to keep the fever down. And the nurse said her fever spiked to 102. We had to call the ambulance. So they did take the ambulance oh because she wasn't, she wasn't DNR and she wasn't hospice at that time. So they took her to the hospital. Um, she was put on a ventilator and given four different IV antibiotics, one for the pneumonia, one for the staph infection, one for the septic blood, and one for the UTI. And so um, that was on a Monday. And on Wednesday, she was doing great. She was sitting up smiling. She was so happy she could actually sit and eat good food, and she could sit on a commode finally instead of going to the toilet, you know, in a, on the bedpan yeah. thing. 
Anyway, so she was doing great. So I found a nursing home within two miles of this hospital. By now, she's way up in Fargo. And uh, so this nursing home, they had a bed for her. Everything was set. And here comes the guardian. She's like, absolutely not. She's going back to the, you know, health hole that she was in. And it totally negligent nursing home, um, just treated horribly. And I said, well, if, if you're going to force her back there, make sure that she can at least sit on the toilet or commode. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll see about that. And so they forced her to go back. And I said, I would rather go to jail than have her go back there. So what happened? Mm -hmm. The caseworker called security, and I was removed by security from the nursing home. And from then on, I was only allowed two hours supervised visits Monday through Friday because I knew I didn't want her in that nursing home because they were killing her. And I said that. I said, you know, they almost killed her in three weeks. And now you're forcing her to go back there when they have a bed two miles away. And that was 80 miles. She had to go 80 miles back sitting in a wheelchair after just nearly dying on Monday. Thursday at 1 o'clock sitting in a wheelchair strapped in after getting off of four IV antibiotics. I mean, just the torture that they put her through. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And then, as you know, when she got back, uh, the nursing home doctor put her on hospice and the rest is history. Because she fought yeah. pneumonia, staph infection, septic blood, UTI, bed sores, all that she fought, only to be put on hospice because, um, well, I, I found another attorney that was going to do a negligent lawsuit against the nursing home. And if she died, I guess, there was no lawsuit. So they were right. in a hurry to get rid of her. And so, and the very last day um, the hospice nurse was in, they gave her oxycodone and morphine. She couldn't breathe. She couldn't swallow. She had seizures, migraine, headaches, huge stomach and and chest pains, terrible, you know, chest pains. And, and then she was so constipated. She couldn't go to the bathroom, like, for three weeks. And then it was just rocks that they had to dig out. It was unbelievable the torture they put her through. Yeah. And they had a care meeting. They had a care meeting um, in December, and the hospice nurse wanted to take her off all her drugs that she needed for her heart, you know, for congestive heart Mm -hmm. failure and leave her only on the oxycodone and morphine. And I said, you can't do Uh that. That will kill her. So they agreed to to leave her on the Lasix, which is one of the heart drugs, but they took her off the Corcon, which is the potassium that replaces what fluid you're losing, and told her to eat a banana a day. Well, she couldn't eat the banana because the oxycodone was making her so constipated that she couldn't eat. She couldn't swallow. She couldn't breathe. Anyway, so they were just murdering her. And um, anyway, she did die. What happened was the last day the nurse was in, she said her blood pressure was 60 over 40. I said, oh, my goodness, we got to get her to the ER. And she said, oh, no, that must be wrong. And so she said, just let her rest. And she just stopped breathing. My mom stopped breathing. So I called 911. I wasn't supposed to, but I did. And they came out. They resuscitated her. And once you know, they called down to the ER. And the ER doctor said, her pulse is too weak to bring her in. So here she was fighting to live. They resuscitated her. She had a pulse. And they walked away. Can you imagine the horror that my poor mother went through? I mean, uh, it was just unbelievable. Because um, and this thing of uh, the the drugs they give them, you know, Marcia Joyner that does the betrayed by hospice shows, it really nailed this down of what they actually do to these people, and how the drugs. Um, I know they murdered my sister. It'll be two years ago, come May. Hospice did, oh, sorry. and um, they uh, uh, told the family that she forgot how to swallow 
my response was, "Well, try less making up those negative, uh, suppressed her second, you know, her uh, sympathetic nervous system, and I bet she slowed in, and uh, they got mad, but them are specific to causing this inability to read the compromising of the. Who's doing that? Stop it. The compromising of the lungs. I know. I do you hear it too now? Uh, yeah. Um, the compromising of the lungs, so that it's difficulty breathing. They'll pant, and then they'll long drawn out breaths while the lungs try to function, but the morphine stops that. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, they, the drugs they give them are are to euthanize them, and that's exactly what they're for. Uh, they reach a certain point, they'll come in and give them the kill shot. And that's usually preceded by they're suffering, they're in pain. You don't want them to suffer, do you? Do you? Yeah, I'd like her to suffer, so stop giving her those shots. But the other thing is that you talk about them stopping all medical treatment. This is so-called palliative care. And there's right. somebody called futility of care. And once that call is made... All medical treatment of any kind stops, except for the drugs they use to euthanize. And Isn't that also, horrible? what is it is, um, and also the first thing they do is withhold food and water. And yep. under the uh, Affordable Care Act, food and water were redefined as medical treatment, not as a human necessity or right. So when they call utility of care, that's the first thing that happens. Exactly. It's a method of of murder. This is an execution. It's nothing less. It's exactly. an execution. And they do it every single day of the week. Uh, the families that we have talked with that have stood by and watched this and said later they were murdering mom, dad, or whomever right in front of us, and we didn't realize what they were doing till it was over. And that they had murdered them right in front of our eyes, and they enjoyed it. And I don't know how you do something like that multiple times a day or every day at, at once. I know. How and do you sleep at home, night? Eat, yeah, and act like nothing happened and get up and go back the next day. Does I your know. family yeah. know you're a, you're a murderer? Do they? Exactly. Did you tell them that? And uh, But it just, yeah, the whole thing is so so corrupt. So we are targeted. Your mother is an example of this. Uh, Joanne, with your mother... <laughs> Credits to you took that girl took off with her and got her out of the country, <laughs> and uh, which is why the lady is probably still alive. And uh, exactly. But you know what we have talked earlier. They were still. They claimed they didn't know where she was. They were taking her social security, availing themselves of her insurance, this, that, and something else. And all the while, they did know where social security knew where they were. She was at, and. Turn those payments back to her, didn't they? They did. So she's getting her Social Security, but they're still um, pretending that they don't know where she's at, and they're still collecting yeah. her both of her pensions from her nursing and teaching career. And I recently talked to a prominent Minnesota attorney that told me, um, <laughs> consider yourself lucky because your mom got free and she will never get anything from her estate. And she said the problem is well known amongst politicians, and we know that it's you know a huge problem. But basically, my mom won because she got her freedom, even though they stole her estate. Yeah, she's living out of the jurisdiction. 
You know, yeah, she's been out of the jurisdiction six years now. You have to flee America to get to, you know, to save your loved one. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, this, I always break your mom's stuff to people about the fact that how you spirited her out of the country. And both of you have dual citizenship and got her degrees, which thing is her come home. Um, you have other family here, your children, and other people here behind just to save your mom. And yeah. I mean, to minim- yeah. minimize that. But uh, the idea, I know when I still lived up there, Joyce and I have talked about this. There was a couple of bills here a couple of years ago that she was trying to get heard and get sponsors for. And I had called the representative's office and said, you know, we need somebody to sponsor this bill. And went explained to her what it was about. And she goes, oh, she said, I said, we've got to stop this probate system. I said, it's human trafficking. And she goes, oh, no. She said, probate saves the state a lot of money. I said, oh, let me correct you. You mean probate makes the state a lot of money. Exactly. That's so correct, yes. And, and you know, my mom and I, before we left, we we were familiar with the Bill of Rights, and we went to many agencies and politicians trying to get, Mm -hmm. you know, her rights recognized um and it never happened never happened right so ultimately that's why we left because um yeah. all of her rights were violated and even you know even if you look at this bill of rights um to me it's it's kind of um a dog and pony show i mean i just want yeah. to state from our experience that the bill uh-huh. of rights is so ineffective and it's nothing more than like the racketeers, they're forming a distraction from where the real problem lies. And right. that's to keep family members, you know, distracted, basically. And right. the real problem is the unmonitored authority given to the judges in the probate yes. courts and the unlicensed authority given to the guardians. And so, right. you know, even with these small changes in the in the Bill of Rights that we're trying to make, the Bill of Rights in itself, from our experience, is completely ineffective. I mean, I can give you examples um, of right. how ineffective they, they are. Um, yeah. Just if, for example, just an example, um, right before we left the states, um, it's one of the Bill of Rights says that you can petition the court to prevent or initiate a change of abode. Well, my mother and I did that just before we, we escaped, really, and it was so disappointing because after spending thousands of dollars on attorney's fees myself, and my mom was only allowed a court-appointed attorney, never never could hire her own attorney, it just became evident that no matter what the evidence is, the judge and the guardian had no intention of allowing my mother to return to right. her home or live with a family member. So right. the only thing that came out of the process really is that we were – definitely sure that mom was just a pawn in a very large racket and there was yes. no way that she was ever going to get out um so being pushed in a, in a corner having tried everything we've written to agencies and politicians nobody will help it's just it's hitting a brick wall constantly i told my mom you know we're, we're going to get you out of here one way or another you know we're law-abiding citizens we tried everything that was all avenues that we were supposed to have available to us and nothing nothing worked everything was just roadblocks 
Um, yeah. So that's why we ultimately, you know, uh, may change the law because the law is so inept in this area. <laughs> we right. didn't change well, it, but we changed it for ourselves, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing right. is, I admire you for getting uh, away. Yes. Uh, you were no oh. kidding. Uh, Joyce, you brought up nope. about, you know, finding out that the one right that people got to keep was their right to vote. I've brought this exactly. up several times. Yeah. I used to stumble across this in reviewing cases, and I think, wait a minute, you, you said they can't manage their life, they can't manage their money, they can't live alone, uh, blah, 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 but they can vote? Well, mm-hmm. and that always stuck in my mind, and I found out a couple years ago that all nursing home residents, anybody under guardianship, their information, where they live, even if it's in a nursing home, um, social security number and everything is all readily available. So that is gathered by what's called bundlers, and they buy this information from guardians and nursing homes, okay? And then they bundle that, and they take it to both political parties, and they sell those names with all that information to the political party who fills out ballots for them and then goes and deposits their ballot. And so, in essence, it looks like they voted. And um, But that's how dead people vote. They take all the people that passed away in the last year and add their information into that, and a ballot is cast for each one of them. So when they scream about, you know, dead people voting, that's how it happens. It's right through probate. And um, this goes on every day. And I say both parties avail themselves of this and utilize it and uh but it's just i'm telling you say have either one of you and i know about this from um interviewing peggy dupree do you know about commission codes what's called commission codes every state has them and i looked up like for here in georgia and it breaks it down by topic like whether it's children's or adults or seniors and what the ins and outs are, um, what can be charged, let's say, for instance, in fees or against the estate and who pays what. That's all. Do you know I never knew that was there? But it's like a secondary set of statutes that backs up what you see publicly. And uh, you might want to look those up for Minnesota and see what's going on there um, because there's a whole bunch, a lot of the trickery that goes on in probate and guardianship is facilitated in there. And again, the fact that we have legislators, both state and federal, who refuse to do anything to stop this. I mean, they're incensed about this, and they're, oh, we got to do something. How many hundreds, if not thousands, of families have gone to them and said, you need to do something this <laughs> This is what's happening. Why won't you have, and it used to be, it used to be 10 years ago, all I heard was, well, it must be an isolated incident. Well, I never heard of anything like that before. Um, You know, are you sure this is what happened? Well, they must have done something wrong or they wouldn't. And now, now, it's, I have other issues that are far more important, important that I need to address. Really? So buying and selling human beings and then, Executing them isn't important. What do you, what do you, you know, I think there's just there's so much pushback 
from those that are profiting from this guardianship system that mm-hmm. even the politicians that seem sympathetic and want to make changes, it seems like they're immobilized. And I kind of noticed that at this last Senate meeting that, you know, at, they spent all this time talking about um, making a recommendation and it was going to go to the civil um, law committee. And then at the very last minute, um, they weakened the support by saying, well, we're not, we're going to have it go forward without our recommendation, which pretty much weakens the bill. And then, of course, like you said, Joyce, the House, you know, didn't even consider right. um, Isn't that horrible? Right. taking it. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's just, it almost becomes a joke because there's no, nowhere to turn. I mean, it's, it's this huge problem. Everybody knows about it and nobody does anything about it. Well, that, and I do and, you think know, it's every because t- of lobbyists. Yes. There's so many different groups out there. I but, saw another um, the big- person that's running for office, and they had one of their supporters was the CARE Network or something. Obviously, they go under all these different names, uh-huh. and basically what they are is yes. groups that are affiliated with MAGIC, or that's Minnesota, but affiliated with these guardianships and conservatorships. And they just go by all these different names, and they help support these candidates. So these candidates are basically in debt to them to follow through and not do anything with, uh, you know, helping these people in guardianship and conservatorship. I mean, I called, like like Joanne, I called different different politicians, different um, organizations that are actually supposed to help people, like for disability, for, you know, for all these different things like Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life. But they, too, get money. They get grants from the state. And because of that, they refuse to really do anything that they're supposed to be doing because of those grants, because I think there's maybe stipulations that, you know, they can't do this stuff if they're going to get the grant, and they want the grant. Right. So that's really scary. And like you were saying, I mean, um, you were saying yesterday when I was talking to you about the fact that there's money earmarked for seniors Mm -hmm. and for, I mean, millions of dollars. And instead of going where it's supposed to go, um, it goes into the general fund. And it's just unbelievable that they can get by with that. That's Title 20 of Social Security. It's not right. a social security program, but it's funneled through there, um, just like Title 40 is uh, child support. has nothing to do with social security. It's just administered by them. But anyway, Title 20 is block grants to the states, and this comes out annually. And I think it was last year that I read Minnesota got $46 million in a block grant. Wow. And it appeared that about $23 million of it was earmarked for elder housing and care and this and that and something else. I believe for that kind of money, I could have taken very good care of most of the seniors in Minnesota. That's correct. And but it that, didn't go to them. That isn't happening. Yeah. But that money it went to the general to, fund. Yeah, it went deposited directly to the general fund, no strings attached, and no accounting. So it's another bogus program that has all this stuff. We're giving you money for this, 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 and this. But if you don't spend it on that, oh, well. And um, yeah. But this is another part of this. Uh, the, one of the reasons they keep this going is I've brought up several times. One person on Social Security in a community can be worth a, at least a million dollars a year um, between doctors and therapies and uh, prescriptions and housing and 
care and all of this, they can generate a hundred or a million dollars in revenue through the community. And it just seems odd to me that somebody can come along and take your benefits, take your name, your identity, present themselves as you, and you can no longer claim your own name. And they exactly. can present anything they call evidence, which is not evidence, it's just stuff they said. They don't have to prove that it's true, they don't have to produce the evidence, and you're not allowed to argue it. And you're, as I've told people, you get caught in this. You, and I had one lady say, she's well, we've had the same family doctor. She said, for the last 30 years, I said, and he'll be fired immediately by that probate examiner. And they will appoint one that works with that court routinely because he's on the payroll there. And the same with your family attorney. He's out the door. They will put one in there of their choosing who works with that court all the time. And this is one of the things we have really discovered is the rackets running inside these tribunals. It's the same hearing examiner, attorneys, uh, social services agents, you know, APS agents, the same guardians, the same doctors, and it, they just keep running people through in a mill. And it's like people don't even matter. They don't even matter. It's like this bunch you're dealing with, Joanne. They know full well where your mother is. They've been notified by Social Security, no less. She is yeah. well and, and you know, fine. And, and yet they're still reporting her, um, you know, and that they're, uh, what they're going to do is try unknown. to claim that. Yeah, they're going to try and claim her uh, under dead man statutes and just seize everything. Mm-hmm. They don't know where she is, so it's been how many years, and we assume she's dead. We're taking everything. And. And, and there's nothing. And actually, we we had sent um, from Greece our attorney through the U.S. Embassy. They had notarized U.S. Embassy sent a paper that she's alive and well in Greece. It was accepted by the the court by the judge a month later, and and it was given to both both the judge and the guardian a month later. Um, the judge accepted a well-being report from the guardian, stating that whereabouts unknown. That they didn't change anything. So, and and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing yeah. you can do. And yeah. then several months after that, there was a court hearing, and the judge did not allow us to participate through the Zoom until after he signed the order, uh, giving all the finances to the guardian, giving my mom nothing. And then he got on. He let us online, and he said, um, "Well, I already made the order, so if you don't agree, you can hire an attorney." Which before that, she was denied her right to hire an attorney. So, so it's this vicious circle. Of you know, of theft yeah. from the fam- from every family that they're doing this yeah. to, and there's not a thing you can do, nothing. And in your case too, if you cut, you're afraid to come to America because you'd be arrested and your mom would be dumped back in a nursing home yeah. and probably most likely murdered within a couple months, or drugs, Absolutely. you know, for sure. And yeah. so, is that horrible? I mean, and this is America. I mean, most people are saying this is not the America that they knew. And I mean, it's just when they started putting people into probate court, that's when everything really, really changed. I mean, because that's bringing back slavery. Uh, you're putting a, a human being into a court meant for property, making that person a piece of property. And that's exactly yes. how they treat them, just like a piece of property. And that was to be, prohibition was supposed to be, you know, I mean, even the last time yep. they were selling. 
the end of slavery, I, I called the television station and I said, slavery is in full force in the probate court system. And they, of course, didn't do anything about that. But yeah. but it's it's the truth. It's still slavery is in full force in America. And well, uh, well, they're, they're, it's wrong. Go ahead, they're ensuring Joanne. that. Everything. Well, yes. I'm, I'm going to go back to this Bill of Rights because I'm really bothered by this Bill of Rights. I'm, and yeah. when you talk about yeah. slavery and really keeping keeping it going, uh, um, you know, as you're going through this Bill of Rights, so many of them are just negated by by the wording itself. You know, like for example, one of them is exercise control over all aspects of your life unless delegated specifically to the guardian conservator by the court. So basically, what it's saying is you have this right, but you don't because if it's given to the either the guardian or you know the court takes over, you don't have this right. So what's the point right. of of even stating that? And that it's kind of throughout the whole thing that they have this unless. So what's the point? And even in one of them, it talks about communication because visitation and isolation is a huge issue, right, in guardianship. So mm-hmm. when it talks about um, the right to communicate, visit, or interact with others, including phone calls and visitors. Unless the guardian has a good cause to believe restriction is necessary because interaction with that person poses a risk of significant harm. But, you know, okay, that sounds all great and wonderful, but let me just tell you about how that really plays out, right? Um, So the visitation restrictions, my mother had them. The guardian um, did a, like, a visitation um, schedule. And we could no longer visit her because the guardian, all he has to do, especially, you know, when you read the Bill of Rights, unless he he has good cause, is say that he has good cause because when the family member visits the ward, it upsets the ward as if we're upsetting the ward. The ward is upset because they're locked up and they can't see their family. Um, Right. So, therefore, therefore, um, he asked the judge to, you know, approve his, his visitation schedule or lack of visitation and it's approved and then there's nothing you can do. So that negates that right too, right? Doesn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Um, I know. So that's what happened and then my... Let me explain. The reason this sounds like it's, you know, double-tonguing this is because they had to, in order for them to take something from you, they had to establish that it existed to begin with. Okay? Mm -hmm. So this is why they say, you know, you have this right, and then come back and say, but you don't if we, you know, because they have to establish that otherwise, uh, what are they writing about? So they have mm-hmm. to give you the right and then immediately take it away. They have to be able to prove both right. sides of it. Yeah. So. And and now we're trying to, you know, make some changes to the Bill of Rights so that, you know, there's some some kind of penalty. But how do you prove that? Like, how do you prove it? Like, for example, when it when it talks about, and one of the senators pointed this out too, um, a ward being treated with dignity and respect. There's no definition of what exactly that means. So, how do you even stand right. up for your right? Well, yeah, actually, dignity and respect is just you know not being treated the way that they're treating, not throwing you into a nursing home, refusing you but, but if the you right to sit on a toilet. But if you want to stand up for that right, if you want to stand up for that right legally, it's it's not. It's not in black and white here. What is that right, really? That's right. I mean, that's, that's you know. Right, but it's still, I mean, it should involve things like being able to sit on a toilet. You know, I mean, things like that, just natural things, being able to walk yeah. out your door, or whatever, without being arrested. I mean, it's just, yeah. what 
it's kind of self-explanatory, I, I think. I know the one the one um, person from St. Louis it's Park. It's not self-explanatory, though, according to the law. Well, according to the law, right. But, you I know. mean, most of us would realize what being, you know, living with um, <laughs> dignity and that type of thing is, is that we should be treated with dignity because it's not – being treated the way they're treating these people, like drugging them when they shouldn't be drugged, is unbelievable. Um, for instance, I called adult protection four times when my mom was being treated like that. I reported it. I got four letters back from social services in that county saying they decided not to investigate. I called the ombudsman, who's supposed to be their advocate. They wouldn't investigate. Nobody will touch it because it's a guardianship. I called the local police officer. He came up and he saw my mom. Here she is. You know, she had bumps and bruises and, oh, she always looks like that. This head nurse that was ready to chop my head off said, and I said, no, I have pictures of her before. And so he said, I wish I could do something, but she's in guardianship. There's nothing I can do. And you know what he told me? He said she would have more rights if she was a, com- a criminal. A convicted criminal, yes. if she'd blown up buildings or killed people, she'd have more rights than she did as in a guardianship. So, right. I mean, and he wasn't able to do anything either because of this guardianship. They can't even touch it, which is unbelievable. Right. So they have nobody to stick up for them. Their family is not allowed to, and they're, you know, people that should be allowed to aren't. Even the police officer couldn't. But if she went out and did some crime, she would have been better off in jail. I said, Mom, please, can you do something like commit a crime so we can get you in the jail instead? Because if she was in the jail, yeah, exactly. I mean, at least she she wouldn't be able to, she could say, I don't want those drugs, and they couldn't force her to take it. They can do, I mean, if you're a criminal and you're in jail, you can say, no, I don't want those drugs. And, you know, unless you're a criminal, people really are. If you're if you're a criminal, you still have your identity. This is this is yeah, identity. Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly. erased as a human being. Exactly. Joanne, this is what I've tried and tried to explain to people. Process actually is, and it is dehumanizing you. The first thing that happens, and see, you need to look up. Uh, one of the things I learned from John Lacron is always look up terminology, terms they're using, and things where common words you think mean one thing under this so-called administrative law or any law can mean something else entirely. So Mm -hmm. people have the perception that the word ward means a protected person. No, it doesn't. A ward is a prisoner of the state. And once Mm -hmm. you are designated as a prisoner of the state, all hell breaks loose. But the first thing that happens for those listening that think this is all crazy is your identity, your legal capacity is taken from you. You can no longer use your own name, identify yourself as that person. It is given to the guardian who then presents themselves as you and accesses your assets and everything else. And um, the second thing that is removed is what's called legal agency. And that is your right to conduct your own business and affairs, business, whatever that amounts to, financial, otherwise. They take that from you. You are left standing there as a non-human being. And you always want to address yourself not as a ward of the state or, you know, petitioner, as a living, breathing man or woman, whichever you are, um, so that they cannot take your humanity from you. Because once they can relegate you under administrative courts, especially, to this non-existent 
capacity, you are considered having suffered a civil death. You don't exist anymore. And your name always appears, and so does the name of that administrative court, in all capital letters. And it's in capitalist something, Domingo, or something like that in Latin, where they speak legalese, which is a foreign language. And um, they, but what that means when this goes back to the old Roman days, your name appeared in all capital letters. It was an indicator to everyone else you were a slave and you ceased to have any civil rights or abilities. And this is what's happening, everybody, in these so-called probate tribunals. Now, what I'm seeing happen is because we have hammered on this, that these are not courts of law or anything else. But what we're seeing is like here in Georgia, they are bringing probate up under as a offshoot of the Supreme Court of the state of Georgia. This isn't a court of law. This is impossible. This is a secondary system. But, see, I'm seeing this in many states. They're quietly sliding probate and these family court things up under the Supreme Court of the state to to provide them covers it. Somehow this is a part and parcel of that court. No, it is not. These are two entirely different systems. And um, mm-hmm. but you know, trying to get people to understand what actually happens when you when you go and you can't defend yourself. They will not allow you to defend yourself. Oh, exactly. Uh, your family, no. Yeah, your family. You can pay for an appeal. You can yeah. pay for an appeal. I paid for an appeal, and I wrote. I mean, I did the whole thing, and and then I brought it in, and I had all. I I spent a month going through and finding statutes and things that I knew would be something pertinent. And you know, yeah. I was not even. I was not even allowed to be in the courtroom when they had that. Nor was I allowed oh to do God. oral arguments. I yeah, I wasn't even allowed to be there. I got the results two weeks later, and that one single thing that I had put on my appeal appeared. Everything went back to the fact that, oh, well, she had dementia, and she did not have dementia. She was never diagnosed with dementia, but this attorney or this judge is saying that they had the right to kill her, basically, because she had dementia and it was bordering on Alzheimer's, which was totally false. And I and right. I had no right to yeah. And then somebody and I said, well, should I try to appeal this again? What's the use? Because you just can't win. You're not allowed a voice. And right. I couldn't believe it that in a court of law, you're told you can't. You pay for the appeal, and you're not allowed to appear. You're well, not even allowed the, to well, the, the lawyers that you hire, you end up paying a lot of money to, and you find out that they're part of the racket. Oh, exactly. In, in, in our case, anyway, and in yeah, many well, like, cases, well, the people I've <laughs> talked to. Right. Well, I don't the first attorney that I hired, yeah, she was um she was on the board of Magic and didn't reveal that she was. It was a conflict of interest. We had so we had the same the we had the same attorney, same attorney. Yeah, we had exactly her at one point as well, and yeah, and and after finding it's that out, it horrible. made sense. A lot of the things that took place, sure. Yeah. Sure. This yeah. is just. I don't know my. My opinion is that, and, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but and, and it's just my opinion, but, you know, I had looked up the first um, RICO trial, and it was conducted in 1979, the Sam, United States versus uh-huh. Sam Bailey. And guardianship mm-hmm. has been going on at this level for about 40 years. So it kind yeah. of makes sense to me that, in my mind anyway, that the mafia said, okay, we got caught racketeering, now we're going to find a way to do it and not get and be protected and and maybe that's where guardianship has stemmed from i don't know but that's kind of well, my you view know, on that is, 
Well, it is. It's organized crime. I mean, really, and it's mm-hmm. it's made legal through the probate court system. Yes. Yes. Ooh, excuse me, but the thing is, the mafia in general thinking, you know, is these big criminal activity groups. But the only reason they were able to achieve the stature that they had and get away with what they did was because the attorneys were protecting them. Yes. So it was very easy to jump to their own criminal activity and provide it. And see, and I think there ought to be a prohibition across the board on bar members mm-hmm. not only serving in either house of government. You give up your bar license while you're in there, your union dues card. Exactly. Or pending any bills that the your union is directly, uh, uh, you know, involved in and is profiting mm-hmm. from. You should not be allowed exactly. to vote on. That's a conflict of to, interest. Yes, ma'am. Yes, It's ma'am. like insider trade. And, uh, I mean, yeah. yes. Yes. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and, you know, the thing is, and we brought this up many times, too. We have laws against monopolies in this country. We broke up AT&T over this. And yet the bar associations have monopolized our judicial system and created these mm-hmm. tertiary tribunals. Why hasn't anybody broke them up? Exactly. Why hasn't anybody, you know, there are so many groups out there advocating for the disbarring of the bar associations. Um, this is a dangerous collection of individuals, and the only good attorneys I have ever met have been disbarred because they actually tried to represent their client. And, exactly. Um, is that horrible? They, yeah, we try to do it right. We can't and, get anyone to help yeah. us in guardianship. We can't yep. get attorneys that will help yep. us. Right. And uh, I read, too, where uh, across the country, these big law firms, 60% of their income comes from these guardianship conservatorship cases. It pays their bills. Wow. And I thought, well, isn't that damn handy? You're buying and selling human beings. And, exactly. Um, human trafficking. Proceeds. Yes. Right. And and yes. it's not just trafficking. I mean, they're, this is killing them, too, because I yes. don't know. You didn't get to mention this, but um, hospice, I don't think we got to mention this, but hospice was given $11.5 billion to go basically from, right. they used to be, you know, Good Samaritan, and it was comfort yes. care, but now it's not. It's it's like they went from that to drug them and drop them ASAP because, you know, get yep. them in and out of the system as soon as possible. I mean, it was so well, that, obvious with my mother. That's why they were so disgusted was, that I was around. You know, they wanted that, to just get rid of her. That one individual in a hospice bed is worth about 30000 a month right off the top. And if they expire after so long a time, a very short period of time, you bring a second person in and make another thirty grand. I think it's twenty nine thousand eight hundred and some dollars. And then of course it, you know, the other thing people need to consider, all of these outfits like hospice and um these guardianship association and everything else, all these supposed, you know, elder care this, elder care that, they're all getting federal funding through special grants. And private, not only yes. that, but the private equity. They're being traded on the on the New York Stock Exchange. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. And, yeah. So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's it's a big money maker. And uh, I, like I say, I, I don't understand the lack of conscience 
lack of integrity, of character. I, I don't understand it. And how can you know that you cause this much misery to other individuals, not just maybe one or two, but many, that you tortured them emotionally, psychologically, you tortured their family, you stole from them. How do you live with yeah. yourself? No one has wanted the Ten Commandments yes. taken out of everything. Thou shalt not yes. kill. Thou shalt not steal. I mean, they're breaking every commandment there is. And, well, yeah, they, they, no they, conscience that was whatsoever. It's a separation of church and state is what that was about. Um, it, it isn't they, a matter of the commandments at time, but it's a separation of church and state. Um, you cannot mix politics and religion. It does not work. Well, that, that's true, too. But, yeah. I mean, if they only yeah. would just, you know, you should have a conscience that tells you that killing exactly. is wrong and the stealing yeah. is wrong. And if you had a but conscience, you, but I don't think these people have consciences. No, I, I really either. don't. I mean... Or a heart. And you see, the the public is being groomed and brainwashed into believing that, you know, if you're past 60, you basically have lived, outlived your usefulness, which is why the government allows a lot of this to happen, um, is because you are no longer, in most cases, taxable. So if, mm-hmm. if you can't keep funding them and you're there for your Social Security, which they've squandered and blown uh, we got to get rid of you because we're not going to fix the Social Security system. We'll just get rid of you, balance the books that way. Right. But we mm-hmm. had that doctor came on CNN and said, no one should want to live past the age of 75. What's the point? Oh, you're crazy. Me? Really? <laughs> he oh, really did. Wow. On national TV. Uh, people were just incensed. And so my response, I sent a letter to CNN and told them, I said, please tell the doctor, you go first. You exactly. go first. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, when he and, gets to uh, be 75, check out time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I expect you to send out an announcement. But yeah, the idea I bet he'll be on cruises a, and goodness knows what else yeah. when he's 75. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you're seeing this, this line of thought across how much the elderly are costing us. You know, we can't keep this up. Oh, it's costing so much, but they will not allow Medicare, Medicaid, negotiate drug prices. So here, and this is according to the government. Every year, the medical industry bilks Medicare out of 30 to 60 billion, with me, dollars in fraudulent charges and upcharges. And, and, but there, there again, instead of trying to stop that, we'll just cut Medicare. We'll just get rid of as many people as possible. And you you stop and think across the country between hospice and guardianship and general old age that somewhere around a half a million a year expire. Well, that isn't enough. That isn't enough. Yeah. You know? Um, Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I've been at this for 14 years, and I have talked to senators and representatives and governors and attorney generals and this one and that one and something else, and, oh, oh, we need guardianship. No, we don't. What makes you think we need guardianship? And I always bring up to them, if me as a member of the public, if I did this to one of my parents or somebody I know, 
you'd put me in prison. Yes, you'd call me an that's correct. You'd that's have right. my but face if they all do over it, the front page. It, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And they murdered my mom in four months. Four months. That's all it took. And she fought the whole time. I mean, even yeah. the, you know, like I said, with the pneumonia, staph infection, septic blood, UTI. Who can fight that? Well, she I was 89 they, years old, but she kept fighting. And she fought that. They have a... And Go ahead, Joanny. Oh, but I was going to say, they have a specific MO. There's there's no getting around it. I mean, the MO is, you know, we guardianize you, we institutionalize you, we drug you <laughs> to death. Yeah. So, and and none, of, yeah. none of those things matter. Like you're saying, you know, your mom's UTI. You know, my mom had all of that. She never had any of those issues before guardianship, just like your mom didn't. And all of a sudden, you know, they've got UTIs and they've got depression and they've got all these other problems. Um, and... There's nothing. There's nothing that that's ever done about it because, right? You know, that's the whole idea. That's the mo. They don't care. They throw them in a facility. They don't make sure they have enough water like we would if they were home with us. You know, exactly. all of these things. Yes. Um, yeah. And you know, none of that matters. I was just going to say too. You know, in Minnesota, and Marty, you know who I'm talking about too, and so do you, Joyce. Um, there was there's some people that have gathered information. So. It's not like us advocates don't know all the connections that are made in in Minnesota with all of these people, like, you know, mm-hmm. facilitating these guardianships. Yes. And the same thing happened um, with Gretchen, um, what's her name, Gretchen Rachel Hammond in Michigan, yes. wasn't it? She was an investigative yes. journalist. Yes. She made all the yes. connections, and then she she they, they wouldn't listen to her. Nothing. It didn't right. matter that she made all right. the connections. So... Yeah. Even like us in Minnesota now, you know, there's some people making all the connections and we know who's responsible. We know that, you know, Department of Human Services is connected with this magic organization, which is the Minnesota Association of Guardianship Conservatorship. And, um, you know, they give awards to different people and different agencies that are there to help the elderly. And um, literally there's nothing you can do. Even when you know the right. system, it's right. become so powerful that there's no there's no infiltrating it. And one of my attorneys said at the very end um, of our, you know, relationship here with my one of my last attorneys, um, I told him that I was going to write a letter to the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension in Minnesota. And, um, and he said he told me not to because um, I don't know how deep the roots go, you know, in this guardianship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right, and you I try to get the news. Of... Yeah, that's scary, isn't it? You try to get the news yeah. out. We had two rallies in Minnesota, and um, we had a television station, KMSP, came out, and they interviewed us after the rally for a good probably hour, and we had you know testimonies of other people that had gone through this. They had a lot of great you know material, so we watched the news in the evening to see what appeared, and there was one person, one of our speakers had a father in California that was in a nursing home, and he had just said that it's so sad that they're isolated at this time because of, this was a COVID during COVID time, and that's all they got on. It was like two seconds of him saying that, not one single thing, just that, and it happened to be Elder Abuse Day. And so it was just brought up that that was the day and that this person said this and nothing about the stories. And I mean, I don't understand. The news will not cover this. And that some stations I've seen in Florida, Arizona, they have covered this, which is they'll cover the people that are 
guilty, like the guardians that have been jailed, which most of these guardians should be. But in Minnesota, you can't even get the news to touch it. They won't even touch it. And even if they have the, the material, they won't air it. Um, I don't know who they're protecting, but like you were saying, this goes pretty deep. And there's, there's something really not on the up and up about this. And I've had reporters in Minnesota interested in our story. And then all of a sudden, everything stops. Like they're very yes. interested in our story, and then everything stops. Yeah. It's because they're, they're, this is what I'm saying. It's not who they're associated with. Threatening them. Um, probably anybody uh, getting this on actually local news and goes through. And um, but this is what it is. They'll have interest. Marty, somebody doesn't want us to get the message out because I hear constant buzzing. I don't know if you all hear that. Yeah, I don't hear yeah. anything. Oh, you're this kidding. This is just oh. unbelievable. Right. Yes, Obviously, they... Yeah, yeah I, I hear it too. It's like beeping constantly. But And especially when you're talking about how deep it goes. And, yeah. you know, to be careful because this is really... I mean, there's there's stuff that we don't even understand. I mean, these are human lives that they're taking. Yes. These are freedoms that they're stealing yes. from these people. It's unbelievable. And, you know, just the fact yeah. I'm running for governor and they're trying to shut me up before I, I, I can't even get yeah. on a gubernatorial forum with other people. Yeah. Because they don't want this out. They don't want this this air. They don't want discrimination. people to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, one of yeah. the things that has struck me over the years is that there are an inordinate number of these predators who seem to do this without any sense of the harm or hurt or anything else that they're causing, the misery they are causing another human being in that family. And they do it over and over. And I kept thinking, something's wrong. There's too many. There's too many. And I ran across, started running across some scientific studies where they believe that there are two and possibly three different species of human being which is entirely possible if you look at evolution and how that all works out but the, the what I'm trying to say here is I think these are a special class of people you know people that are RH negative have a 32 strand link of DNA that they know was inserted into their DNA strand but they don't know what it was what it's for or how it got there and they just know that it's there and wow. uh, they don't want to know what function it performs. And but it, you know, when you think about sociopaths, sociopaths are born; they're not created; they're born sociopathic, which I think is an indicator that something in their DNA is different than in your DNA and mine, because they lack yeah. any sympathy, emotion. Um, they mimic what other people feel but they don't actually mm-hmm. feel it themselves. And so since they don't have any of this, they have no sense of guilt or remorse, and they just go on about as if... And they, I'm always struck by... And, what, and one of the other reasons that got me into this is I'm always struck by the uh, sometimes confused response I get about, well, what do, what do you think is wrong with this? Why do you think this is wrong? They're old. 
you know what I'm saying? Oh, goodness you're kidding. No, I know, I'm I know. serious. Well, yeah, they'll they'll say something like, oh, well, they lived a good life. You didn't want them to suffer, did you? Yes. They always use that suffer thing. Well, everybody yes. suffers maybe a little bit. If you've got arthritis or you bump your toe or your finger, everybody suffers somewhat. And so are we going to get rid of everybody? And I, I actually said that to that woman when I told you about they came up against yep. me at the hospital for 27 minutes. And that was one of the things that chaplain of all people said to me. She said, well, you don't want her to suffer, do you? And I said, everybody suffers with something. Do you want to just get rid of everybody? Because whether it's, you know, MS or arthritis or diabetes or whatever, who are they oh. going to take out next? I mean, they're starting with the elderly and disabled. Are they going to go after those people with arthritis next or diabetes? Or, I mean, this is probably going to be just like the Holocaust down the line if we don't do something to stop it because they're just taking people out and they're doing it, you know, with no problem through probate court. So, and I think the general scary. population thinks I, that it won't happen to them, you know, that they're they're somehow – protected i've I've recently talked to people that said well you know i've taken care of all my paperwork and my trust and my will and I said oh my gosh you did a trust and a will you just made yourself a target because <laughs> yeah um yeah. you're not and you're not protected anyway you know you're not protected right. because they can change everything right it's well, like my mother had a power of attorney she had health care yeah. is that that probate examiner regardless of what estate planning you've done can discard every mm-hmm. bit of that just toss it aside mm-hmm. and say, well, we're, that's not going to apply here. Uh, we're going to ignore this because, you know, so it makes no difference. And then up there in Minnesota, I saw where the Bar Association declared, now this isn't a law, but they made this declaration, that no will or trust or anything else is to be considered valid unless it was prepared by a bar member. Say what? Really? And, um, oh. Yeah. And um, so... But basically so, so the you're bar member it. makes it, and then they kind of dish you into the guardianship knowing what you yes. have. Yes, now they know exactly. everything you've got and where it's at, just like those estate planning dinners come. And I went to that one in Litchfield. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boy, they're big. You go on the Internet, and it's yeah. like free dinner, you know, free dinner yeah. so we can rope you in. <laughs> yeah, and you have to fill out a sheet telling what all your assets are and where they're located and who has access to them before you get that free dinner. And um, I told, told people that night, I said, they are databasing you. You can expect these people to show up and cause a lot of harm to your family in the near future. They've got everything they need. you got stuff. And that woman said, you need to shut up. You need to shut up. I said, no, I don't need to shut up. I said, what's the matter with you? She says, I'm going to call security. I said, I am security. What? And I yeah, I'm trying to make these people here safe from you. And, um, you know, the other thing people don't realize is that when they, you know, I know a lot of people in Minnesota, oh, we're going to move south and we're going to retire and, you know, they, they're they uh, going to run down and, and buy their, their half a million dollar home and they think they're protected. And, you know, my first yep. thing, because I know what's going on, is as soon as you buy that home, they have your name, they have your information, and they have yep. you targeted. Yep. And and I think and people sure don't, don't realize that. Florida. You surely do not no. want to go to Florida. And uh, no, stay out of Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but, but you know, but then, people just don't generally realize that when they're not touched by guardianship and they don't realize what's happening in, throughout the whole country, they think that they're okay. That that's not going to happen to them. That somehow yeah. they're you know they're they're they're, gonna they're not going to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, when I was first yeah. in this girl, what really struck me the first two years was I was watching families taking out second and third mortgages on their homes, spending their kids as college funds, selling off everything they had, trying to save mom or dad or whomever right. from, from one of these Yeah, you lose everything. The yes. family loses and, and, everything trying to protect and, the ward. Yes, exactly. and many times the family falls apart behind it. The stress is so severe. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yet we haven't got one legislator that will stand up and say enough is enough. We're stopping it. We haven't got one, not one. Isn't that sad? I think that. Like yeah. in our case, my mom and lost everybody everything. can be bought off. It's just yep. Everybody. Yeah. Nobody has a conscience. Lo- yes. Like in our case, my mom lost everything to guardianship, and I lost everything to save her. And it doesn't matter, you know. So, so there's just this massive loss, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The guardian gets away with it and you know what let me yes. just tell you something else so 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 my mom's estate is showing the guardian currently shows that it's valued at 10 percent of, of its actual value mm. and this is going to the irs it's very interesting and there's no yeah. there's there's all of a sudden a fourth trust instead of three trusts that were initially there they can create trust they can start putting money into a trust yep. you don't even know what it is we have no idea what the what the value of the oh estate goodness. is now. So and we're interested parties, right? So there's yeah. that's there's yeah. family. It's so disgusting. Yeah, so, yep. And and yep. Well there is one thing just, I can oh, go there's ahead. one thing I can say that if I do get elected governor, I will not take payoffs and this will be dealt with. But I highly doubt because of the people out there that are gonna stop that before I even make it, you know. Yeah. Um, because of this thing being so huge, um, but I will not take payoffs. And I, I challenge anybody that is running for governor or any office out there to do what's right. Do what your conscience tells you to do, or hopefully that you do have a conscience. And protect these people. Protect the vulnerable. You know, this is unbelievable that this is happening in America, land of the yeah. free. You know, you know, let me freedom just say and justice this, though, and Marty, uh, Marty, maybe you, you're, maybe you're familiar with this. Let me just say this about the governor's office. Um, so my understanding of the, you know, the bond that they take to protect the assets, yes. like my mom yes. had to pay yep. $500,000 right. bond to protect her assets. My understanding is that doesn't go back into this state, Um there was an advocate that did some research on that, and it actually goes to the government, to, to the governor's right. office. Now, I might I right. might be wrong, but um, that's certainly a reason for the governor not to support, yes. you know, fixing things in guardianship. Am I correct? I, I don't oh, know. That's, that's horrible. Yes. I didn't even know that. Yes. Well, I and, can tell uh, you one thing. I would never be after money. I would give everything I own to have my mother back. I, you know, I wish I were you. I wish I'd had dual citizenship and so I could have gotten away yeah. with my mother. My mother meant more to me than all the money in all the world. And I, I would rather I they agree. just act they actually 
I would have rather that they just kidnapped her and asked for money because I would have given them everything yeah. I owned and saved Absolutely. her life and not put her through the hell that she they put her through because every day of my life I live with that. I live with the yeah. fact that she was tortured and then maybe even alive when they zipped her up in the body bag. Can you imagine the torture oh going through that? And there was nothing I could do. I mean, the police were there even, and, and basically I could not believe that they could get by with that. And well, so, I, I mean, I live with that every day, and I don't see how anybody, you know, you talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome, you know, seeing your mother, like, she struggled and she was, she was resuscitated, and you know what they said? I called that emergency doctor about, I don't know, 30 times in two months, never got back to me. So finally, the administrator for the hospital calls. And he said, oh, your mother never did have a pulse. And I said, I have five witnesses that signed that were right there when that paramedic said that the doctor said that her pulse is too weak to bring her in. And he said, oh, no, he must have misspoke. So they just lied. Can you believe it? Yeah. They lied on the report. Because I asked the person that came to get her body because I insisted that she have a um, that she go to have a autopsy because I – was afraid that they, you know, the drugs would show up and everything, and I wanted yeah. that to be made public. So um, when she showed up, I said, are you positive she doesn't have a pulse? And she said no. And then later I talked to her, and she said, well, she didn't really check that much because it would already said that she was dead on the report. So they didn't even oh. note the fact that she had a pulse. They just marked her as dead, and she was probably it, oh struggling to live. Can you believe that? One and that one false gruesome. narrative after another. It's it's always yeah, exactly. it's, it's just stories then, that they create to get their you know to meet their right, goals and, and right. And she was taken to the you know for the autopsy on Friday night, but they didn't do it until Monday. So if there was any drugs or something, and I called twice that night to make sure that I said, "Are you positive she doesn't have a pulse?" And I should have just gone down there and checked myself. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> But I mean, they zipped you her know up what? in that bag. I would, I would do what I did all over again and leave with my mother because yeah, exactly. it's, it's and such an awful thing to live with that. It's so horrible. And yes. you're not the only one. There's so many people living that horrible nightmare. And you yes. suffer the rest of your life because right. you and have she such did. agony over what she, they're doing. And I'm sure there was what more with, with the autopsy that wasn't reported, but she did have a blood clot by her heart. And with that oxycodone and morphine, and I begged, she begged, I begged the nurse to please allow her to go in and because her chest hurt so bad. And it was a blood clot by the heart. And that could have been dissolved. It could have been easily dissolved had she been allowed to go into the ER. But no, they refused. Yeah. The guardian refused to allow her to go in. The hospice nurse refused. I, and then these people walked away. And she's still struggling to live. Nobody, I'm going to say this, and I, I hope everybody hears this, no one should be forced to die against their will or against their family's wishes. And this is yes. happening every day. It's, yes. it's a nightmare. And it's, yes, it is. it's so yeah. corrupt. It's criminal. Yep. And to just divide That's, and conquer families the way they do and not allow you yes. to have any say-so over your loved one or your loved one to have any say-so over their life is, is just so exactly. criminal. Absolutely criminal. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, they're doing this yeah. all over the globe. Um, we have that mm-hmm. uh, international corporation, ICOR, it's I-K-O-R, mm-hmm. that is selling franchises on how to set up uh, conservatorships and guardianships. And uh, the byline on it is fast, easy, consistent money. 
and oh, um, they are behind most of these uh, setups in, in Australia. Of course, it's just as bad as it is here, Australia. Oh my God, um, it's just. Well, terrible. I don't even think you you don't even need a GED to be a professional guardian, quote unquote. Right. Yeah, but that's unbelievable. Need, Forty hours of training. That, yeah, and uh, and that's the thing. Uh, what families don't know, and I only got ninety seconds is that you have to have this training before you can, this is how they beat most families, well, you didn't take the training, so you can't be the guardian. So do some advanced planning and thinking. Go take these 40 hours. So if something does happen, yeah, you're at least in a position to argue. Put yourself there. Girls, I've got a minute left. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really good well, show, and you. we're going to do a follow-up um, because I want to know what's happening, and I think we've got a lot of people that want you also. I want to remind everyone that these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the original Whistleblower Summit. We'll have a panel there again this year on guardianship. And uh, somehow, some way, we're going to make a difference in this. We're going to break this open. I don't know how, but I'm sure it'll come at the end of one of my fits. <laughs> anyway, uh, I reach a point of no return. That's all I can do. I can't do no more. And um, But we'll keep hammering away at it again. Thank you for coming on. This has been a great interview, and we will be revisiting you. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. And we will be back, I think, at least Friday night. <laughs> I don't know. So far this week, everything is so haphazard these days. But anyway, again, thank you for well, tuning in, thank girls. You so thank much, you Marty. for being here. Thank you so and much, Marty. We'll thank you, Joanne. Too. Thanks, Joyce. Yep. Thanks, Joyce. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.